Your principal thinks I should teach using the Socratic method. That's where we have an open back-and-forth discussion. And when it's over, I'll want to drink poison. Yeah. Let's see, let's see what I got. Alright. <clears throat> when making the original Ren and Stimpy cartoons, creator John K. reported... Uh, oh, no, sorry. Let's start it again. Take two, take two. <laughs> take, take two. two. That's for a different podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When making the original Ren and Stimpy cartoons, creator John K. reportedly wanted the soundtrack to make the show incomprehensible to those not looking at the screen. Our movie today, 1992's Kung Fu Rascals, was kind of on the same wavelength. But rather than just stopping at making the soundtrack incomprehensible, they went full hog and applied it to the whole thing. (laughs) The story concerns three friends. The director of the movie, a white guy dressed as Bruce Lee, and Rufio, as they go on a quest to find the power most big. Meanwhile, the evil Jakar from Babylon 5, um, uh, rather, the Bamboo Man, sends his giant pig thing Rasputant to destroy the three kung fu rascals and take away their gingerbread man. The rascals, Chen Chaomain, Lao Zi, and Repo, must defeat the sinister chef of Qinghua County, as well as take down the bamboo man's forces. Fighting, slapstick, and giant monsters ensue. Your enjoyment of this movie hinges on whether you're tickled by the names of our three heroes, because it is all downhill from here. The jokes fly like kicks, and the kicks land like jokes. Which is to say, poorly. With more pee-pee jokes than your average kindergarten class, Kung Fu Rascals underlines what happens when you have no budget and no ideas. A rather long 90-minute Power Rangers episode without bulk and skull, this is what happens when a special effects artist directs a movie. With no more than five enjoyable minutes in this for me, I'd love to open up the discussion to the rest of the class. In the tradition of Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, and the Three Stooges comes the adventures of the Kung Fu Rascals. It's It's just another another day day of Kung Fu fighting. Uh, Let me introduce Casey Regan. What did you think of this turd? Oh, I am so excited that we get to disagree so harshly. (laughs) This movie was fan- Fantastic! I loved it so much. I don't. Want, okay, well, I'm not saying it's not without its flaws. I'm just saying, like all great art, it's in the imperfection where you really find the beauty. Uh, well, from our West Coast division, let's hear from Jamie Kennedy. Oh, Greg, you really nailed it with that whole report. There's not much more to be said, but there's also so much to be said. Uh, I am definitely in the Greg Hansen camp on this. Enjoyable. But also, like, I will be walking on eggshells for the entirety of this podcast because so much of this made me uncomfortable in a way that only a 14-year-old from the 90s could make happen. Well, let's hear from our uh, resident nerd for all seasons, Josh Roth. Guys, that was the best episode of Teenage Mutant Power Rangers that I've ever seen. (laughs) Split room. Split Split room. room. Great. Josh, you're you're walking the path of glory, Josh. Oh, boy. The path of power most big. If, if I'm being honest, uh, I, I'm going to continue to diverge from Jamie and say, I did not enjoy very much of this at all. <laughs> oh. I wanted to. The special effects I was continuously impressed by for what they had. Like, the costumes are legitimately good, I yeah, think. The makeup like, was impressive, and it, it, it's for, pretty good. I was impressed by the Force Perspective giant fight at the end of the movie, which we'll get to eventually, and I still don't know how he climbed up that wall. Can anyone <laughs> tell me how he climbed up that wall? <laughs> it was a sticky flypaper technique. Yeah, sticky flypaper technique. I know, but how did he climb up the wall? <laughs> uh, so much of this movie was offensive. Like, just... Really hard to look at it through the lens of 2020. 
so hard. It was probably hard to look at it through the lens of 1992. <laughs> it was hard to look at it through the lens of the camera, if we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> it looked good. Like, I mean, there were definitely times... Did it? <laughs> look, there were times when they made, I think, the creative decision to shut all the lights off uh, in the scene, <laughs> which was great, especially during kung fu moments, to just watch a black soup of characters wearing all black. I thought that was... <laughs> That was uh, it was interesting. Violence is a blanket of darkness that covers humanity, and I think that's what this movie was trying to say. I I also thought it was a bold choice to use the entirety of the Hanna Barbera sound effects library during the course of this movie. For everything, my personal favorite being when the sheriff starts waving his hand, and each oh. hand movement has like like, but it was slide whistles. Like, Pratt fall, like things that should not have synced up with it, but they were like, that sounds great. <laughs> it was a decision, I think, to make literally every movement of the body, every thought, every change of expression needed to sound like something. Yes. <laughs> I want to get into it because this the person who sound designed this movie also was composer? the composer. Also the composer and played the sheriff. Uh, of, uh, what's it? Chow? Of Tsinghua County. And Tsinghua is Chinese, I believe, in, in French. Uh, so deep. Oh, so many man. layers. The sheriff of Tsinghua County. And that person's name is Les Claypool. The head of the band Primus. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's not him. But it looks so much like him that my brain was no, just it melting. Him. It is him. It is not him. No, it, it is, is him. not it is not Primus's Les Claypool. Yes, it what? is a different guy named Les E. Claypool the Third. What? Who? This is who, yes, I know. This is news. I to know. Me. Oh, I did, I did wow. so much research last night into Les Claypool because I'm like, I know that name. No, I what? know. Even IMDb has it as Les Claypool, <gasps> the guy oh from Primus. My. But it is not Les Claypool. <gasps> it's this guy, Les E. Claypool the Third, who looks exactly mm -hmm. like Les Claypool. And well, have we ever he, seen Les Claypool and Les E. Claypool the third in the same room, Casey? Have we? Have we? That's it. It is like this is one of those moments where the like simulation theory holds some water to me, where I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe there is a one another person on the planet named Les Claypool, and that he is also in the like audio space. This guy, so he was. Uh, I I got I went on a deep dive. I so love this. Guy, this. The archaeologist Casey Regan. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I really, I read a lot of just like horror convention blogs and like audio nerd shit last night. I, I'm glad, I'm glad you did this research because I was honestly like, what was Les Claypool doing? Why was he, why did he do this horrible like rinky dink midi like keyboard bullshit that like really doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> so he was a guy who uh, was making a, his own kung fu feature film and then he realized one day during shooting it he didn't have any asian people in his kung fu movie so my face palm he realized isn't then? reading isn't reading on he realized he realized a while into production he had no asian people in his kung fu film so he reached out to a mutual friend steve wang now this first movie never was finished but it did lead to the collaboration that was Kung Fu Rascals. They uh, apparently spent like, you know, weeks sound designing it, composing it together in Les E. Claypool III's mother's garage. <laughs> and then from this movie, slingshotted into a career, a pretty sweet, prolific career doing the English dubbing for like huge anime films and TV shows. Like, I think his studio, Magnitude 8, worked on, like, the English dub of Akira. I think it worked yeah, on, like... Yeah, the Third, Castle of Cagliostro. Huge. Perfect Blue. Wow, Perfect Blue? He, wow. The dialogue editor? Perfect Blue, Perfect Blue is very good. Cowboy Bebop Sound Supervisor? Wow! This is some Alan Silvestri in Mac and Me level slingshotting. <laughs> like... <laughs> I appreciate that reference. That's a good reference. I think we can agree that the prosthetics and, like, some of the costumes, some of the creature effects, some of the uh, compositing is, like, way higher quality than what the rest of this movie is, like, bringing. Because, like, a lot of these people... The cast, the crew, which was not huge, 
were real creature effects and like stunt and visual effects people who were their pedigree is pretty crazy like they seem to in my researching have met or started working together doing the creature effects for predator yeah yeah pretty much everybody in this movie or who has anything to do with this movie is a special effects person so it's it's not surprising to me that that the special effects look good and are for no money for no money quote no money but i will say while i appreciate it a, a lot of it is stuff that is taken from other movies Oh, again, well, you, you, when you said called Repo Rufio, like literally Hook <laughs> came out the year before this movie. Steve saw that and was like, yes, taking that character. just Sure. But not even that. <laughs> so that like all of the frog people, like he did the, uh, Steve Wang did the creature effects on Hell Comes to Fogcon. <laughs> so he just brought the frogs, <laughs> which I appreciate because that's genius. <laughs> yeah. But, but it is also to say that it's not like they, they didn't like, stretch their money in terms of being like look at how ingenious we could be with very little it's like we have all this stuff already let's write a movie around it which is like a different kind of ingenious and one that i generally adore except when it gives me 90 minutes of the least i've maybe ever left (laughs) (laughs) i had the movie opens with a lizard man carrying a pig man and the pig man jumps off of him and says, Thanks for the ride. You're welcome. I genuinely laughed. And that was the beginning of the movie. And I knew. I knew I was in for a ride. I think when I, think when I saw that, I was like, Oh no, I've got 90 minutes to go. I can watch decent to good creature makeup just do anything. For and, and if the main characters were creatures, then I'd be with you. Uh, oh, yeah. It's the fact that we have to stick to these friggin' idiots for so long. And they do so little. This movie really could have been, like, summarized on a napkin. It's, it's, there's <laughs> so little that actually happens. There's the, the fight scenes are long and badly choreographed. Oh, hard disagree. Or, or, or like, uh, yeah. or hard to discern. Hard disagree. I have a quote for this, actually. I have. Oh. I, I pulled up this interview with uh, Steve, Steve Wang. Um, did it take long to develop the script for Kung Fu Rascals? And, and Steve responds, one week. As I said earlier, I was shooting the trailer first. When I decided to turn it into a full feature, I knew that if I stopped production for a month to write, I would never be able to get my crew back. We were on a roll. I had to drop some of the characters altogether because we couldn't get it to work within the 100-minute format. The script was actually only 30 pages and was written in short form. The beach of the War God sequence was originally only one-eighth of the final sequence that I ended up shooting. One of the key elements to Kung Fu Rascals was ad-libbing. We ad-libbed quite a bit of the film. Woo. Okay. Uh, uh, wait, we got to get into the plot, right? We got to get into the plot. What plot? I, there was plot. Because looking at my notes, I think I was with you. I think I was on y'all's wavelength up until a certain moment. Okay. Because it is like we get two creatures walking down a hallway and they come face to face with Bamboo Man from Kung Pao. It, that was, I think, the funniest I ever found the nameplates. When it said Bamboo Man from Kung Pao, it's like, oh, 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 that's who it is. I couldn't see you in the dark. <laughs> there you are. In this very dark, <laughs> exceedingly long hallway. The Chirons are the best part of the movie. They are. They are. And very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> right, because they didn't really say a lot of the names of the characters very much. No. No. I mean, look, you really don't want to miss the names in this movie because they're so goddamn hilarious. <laughs> Buffoon. How dare you? That's what this whole movie is. <laughs> I know. So then we find out that the Bamboo Man from Kung Pao is trying to do something. Now, I never really could discern what it was he was trying to do. No. He definitely plays it close to his gooey, gooey chest. <laughs> uh, he was trying to get the power most big. big. Right. Silence. Piece of stone. A key to a force. To a power most. But he had the Moonstone. Did he want Which to control both of them? Later. He wanted the Moonstone and the Sunstone map. Right. The Moonstone's just the Moonstone. The Sunstone is the Sunstone map, which I assume. But then also turns into the Sun. Like, but it's also the it. Sunstone. It is the. Su- 
Yeah, he had both stones. The only the only little bit we get is that uh, Rasputin, the mad monk, uh, a disgustingly sweaty pig man. <laughs> Aren't they all? <laughs> uh, says that they've been like attacking a Shaolin temple and had many casualties, but all of their casualties were expendable. So they're waging some sort of war that we never see. The Shaolin. Just to say, we never see this. War. And we never see. It something that i believe is like a tenant of great movies is every great movie should reference a better movie that you will never see <laughs> in the dialogue somewhere so then we learn that the sunstone map has been stolen by chen chow main master our thief and all around great guy oh yeah that's when we meet lousy oh my god that's when we meet the two, the other two That's rascals. That's when we meet the other two. Of the two titular rascals. Oh! Concentrate on the finger, and you will miss all the heavenly glory. Who are you? It's me, Lao Tse. <laughs> and what's with the wig? It's an exhibition. <laughs> Listen up. Lao Tse is a white man with a fake Bruce Lee haircut wig. He is looking at himself in a, a compact mirror with the picture of Bruce Lee painted on it and also wearing almond eye yep. inserts to make himself look Asian. And, and I think it was like, it was at that moment that I was like, oh, apparently even Asians can make really offensive things against Asians. And I mean, like, I guess it's the idea is that he's he's white, but I don't know, putting a guy in, in, in sort of Asian... In any context, yeah. in any context. Though one could argue later on in the film uh, when he temporarily loses his first Bruce Lee wig and it's replaced <laughs> with a clown wig, it could be making the argument that he truly is a clown. Uh, <laughs> you know, a white man parading as something he is not, uh, ah. and he is all the more a fool because of it. But I think... I think I just Read th- I think I read that article on JSTOR, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> the, I definitely read that eventually. Like, I think to give this movie all the credit that it doesn't deserve. It doesn't. He is definitely the fool of the movie. He's the one who has to learn lessons. He's like, he is definitely the fool opposite Chen Chao Main. But Repo is like, also the fool. So then you have two in like... Well, I'd like to point out we have three fools from the Orient. That's true. That's true. I guess that's their name. But what does Chen do that's ever fool? Like... No, Chen's our elite. Chen's like the guy who has mastered martial arts. He is like the character in the martial arts movie who is good and is humbled by his like loved ones and friends. If he was only, like, a lust-for-power martial artist, he'd be one of the villains. But he is restrained by, like, his foolish compatriots who also, like, give him his humanity. His greatest burden is his accomplices. Remember, to master the art of Kung Fu, you must first perfect the three key elements. Speed, balance, and precision. The success of our quest heavily depends on our superior kung fu skills. Hmm. Maybe this mission was such a good idea. Again, I'm giving I'm I'm giving a lot of uh, grandeur to this movie. Yeah. And, but I think- and Lousy is always asking Chen Chaomain like for the meaning of life. And the secrets of martial arts. I can't believe we're saying all these names with like a straight face. It's, it's like, <laughs> we gotta this do is it. Horrible. <laughs> now, uh, Repo is also a fool character, but Repo is he to me is if we're to look at like Shakespearean fools. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's. Lousy is human. He's the like. He's the Toby Belch. He's the Stefano. He is a much more like human fool. His follies are like uh, ego. Yep. So the whitest person who's ever existed, uh, applying yellow face to become his idol, Bruce Lee. And while it is the fool of the movie, there are upsetting things about that. But <laughs> I will say that it fails in the same way that all caricaturing and like insert race face fails which is like he didn't look like bruce lee when he put those eye prosthetics on he looked more like he was doing like liza minnelli drag but like today's liza minnelli (laughs) 
<laughs> like Liza Minnelli from Arrested Development. Like that's that's the drag he was going for. Loose seal, loose seal. <laughs> Whereas like Repo is is sprightly. Repo's like a puck. He is. I Repo was really the anchor that was keeping me in this movie <laughs> because he is like his foolishness comes from magic. He is like he. he I loved him so much. I, I really, I really did. Like any time, the rest of the movie knocked me out with some corny joke, some like truly racist misstep. I knew that Repo was gonna be there to like bring me Hold back. Hold your hand. Yeah, to bring me back with just some like good old hijinks. He sure oh. had some hijinks. Repo's pants uh, was amongst oh. my favorite costuming in the movie. I'll say that much. It certainly gets a lot of close-ups. It, so many close-ups. Very 90s. Oh, yeah. He is kind of dressed in like a Bam Bam chic. Like yeah, a, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rufio meets Bam Bam. Yeah. <laughs> Repio. Repio. I think it's weirdly prescient. Like, it reminds me a lot of Kung Fu Hustle, which is a better movie, yeah. that came, but came out a full decade later. The live action cartoon aspect mixed with the martial arts that is done better, but is like in this movie is pretty revolutionary and interesting. I mean, I will, I will point out that this is also following the Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung, Hong Kong, you know, drunken master armor of God, like all these Kung Fu comedies that came out in the wake of the sort of post Bruce Lee, Hong Kong film cycle that did basically this type of thing, but le like less slapstick in some regards, or less, or I guess at least like less broad slapstick. Uh, so it's like I do think that they're, they're they're sort of trying to do like a Jackie Chan meets Three Stooges, like Sam Raimi and company were trying to do Exorcist meets Three Stooges type thing, just with a lot less money and a lot less ideas. <laughs> yeah. Did Jackie Chan ever pee into a stream and then have not one, but uh, two jokes uh, following it of two different characters either splashing the pee on their face or uh, drinking it straight up without uh, noticing it was There's so pee. much urine in this movie. We could talk for ages about the pee. <laughs> the pee, so much the pee, pee in, in this movie, movie factors more heavily into the plot than Bamboo Man, if we're being honest. Yeah, than any of the <laughs> yes. stones. And, and Chen later on says what we're all thinking when Repo goes over to try and put out the fire using P. Chen goes, no, there's no time for that. Uh, Chen, the character, thought that. Steve Wang, the director-writer, did not have time. <laughs> Steve Wang, the director-writer, always had time for P. So, uh, Lousy... And Chen Chowmain and Repo, they come together. They, you know, they're rascals. And, you know, I think laughs are ahead by all. Except the audience. <laughs> I would love for you to not talk for me in this in this episode, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, you and I are on the same page, at least. Yeah, Josh one. and I get what Steve Wang was doing. You guys have a sense of humor, and we are humorless yeah, assholes. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, Look, yeah. I, will, I will admit that in these early scenes, my stomach dropped a little bit. <laughs> thinking that we that we, we were have a about, long road we have a long road to go down all of the goodwill it had earned by showing like pretty good creature effects it had won a lot of goodwill with me i was like okay like this is nonsense but at least it looks fun and then i forgot <laughs> i forgot all about that first scene it was just pushed out we, of my head. we we are still talking about the first 10 minutes of the movie <laughs> No, it's an hour 40. It just shows how rich a world Steve oh Wang crafted. <laughs> they had a lot to develop. I knew that like I was in for something. When I wrote down in my notes, the map is a gingerbread man. And then not a second later, on screen, they said, That's it? That's it. Looks like a gingerbread man. I'm hungry. They were in your head. They were in your head, Josh. <laughs> but I think that tells you a lot. This movie knows exactly what it is. It does. No, it does. But it knows exactly what it is, again, in the way that, like, we all did when we were making movies in the 90s at age 14 with, like, our best guy friends. I'll, I'll speak for myself with that. Uh, and, like, you were working on that level of, like, both self-parody and what you think is funny and, like, creating these kind of things. 
but those didn't get released for the world to see. Like, it's one big, like, immature inside joke amongst friends that doesn't land with the general public, I don't think. You gotta hand it to the direct-to-video boom for unleashing a myriad of basically unreleasable movies. Uh, Let me just hazard you that we should not be complaining about some sort of boom allowing people's private jokes and conversations to be unleashed upon the masses as we get into podcasting. Okay. Touche! Okay. <laughs> but there was a moment. Okay, so we reached the point for me. The moment was when I, I really turned and thought maybe this movie is a masterpiece and it comes up in the next scene. So our three heroes decide to go get lunch. So they go into this restaurant where they meet... Our JV villains are like B bad guys of the movie. <laughs> JV villains is great. Who have been tasked by Rasputin the Mad Monk to capture Chen Chaomain and company and get back the Sunstone map. This is the sheriff of Chinghua County, uh, played by A. Les Claypool, not the <laughs> Les Claypool. And then his lackeys, Darling and Buffoon. And if the racism so far wasn't enough to make you cringe and it wasn't <laughs> the gay coding on darling was what? literally the most uncomfortable runner through this whole ordeal for me Ooh, look boss it's that dumb guy we're after <laughs> he's fallen into our evil clutches <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Ooh, a ripley muscles oh my god God. Yeah, that was too okay, far. So I have I have a lot of thoughts about Dark. <laughs> I'm oh. sure you fucking do. Oh my god. Before we get into Darling, they have a face off with the sheriff of Chinghua County and he calls forth ninjas. Up until this point, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm like, this really seems like it's gonna be a piece of garbage. The acting's bad, fighting has not been great, the everything has been just like soggy cereal. It's been soggy cereal up until this point. And then the the sheriff is threatening them and he says, So what's it gonna be? Punk? And when he says punks, smoke comes out of his mouth. Earlier in the scene, he took a drag of, of cigarette, never exhaled it <laughs> until he says punk. And there's like, it's like a five minute scene that he's been holding an inhalation of a cigarette in. And I'm like, this movie is the shit. <laughs> this movie is having so much fun. And I'm like, yes, a lot of it is offensive and poorly conceived. But that moment brought me into the headspace of the people making it. We're like, these guys are having a fucking good time. Yeah. Oh, I I mean, it's hard to make the argument that they're not having a blast. That's great. Bully to you. But (laughs) I don't want to watch it. There's always something charming, especially there, there was like a whole bunch of these like late 80s, early 90s, like cult comedy type things where it's like kids that grew up on this cult cinema doing parodies. And most of them are like kind of tough and have some moments. It's like the trauma syndrome where like the knowing camp becomes sometimes charming and sometimes tough. But there's usually something there that you're like, oh, OK, I kind of get it. And this I was just like. Oh no, like some of the best jokes are at the beginning and then it, they just kept returning to the same well over and over again. And I was like, they go to the old wise man or okay, the old wise old guy. Old wise guy. <laughs> who, who in, in my opinion, is the only funny character in the movie. You mean Dr. McCoy, Vulcan pirate? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good amalgamation. Not bad. Pretty smart for a dumb little stupid. <laughs> the, the opening of the scene, they walk in and they're searching around the shop with the uh, creatures in the nooks and crannies. And Lao Z finds a little gong, hits it, and it shakes the world so much. And everyone just needs to mug their way left, mug their way right. 
And I found myself thinking, well, egg on old Christopher Nolan's face, huh? Like, he had to build a whole <laughs> multi-million dollar set to shake the floor. You fool, Chris. You could have just turned the camera back and forth. You just the move same. the camera and then everybody leans to the left. They yeah. figured this out Chris, in Chris, the 60s. Chris. You fool. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do think that where the movie, all the movies working pieces worked the best was in the old wise guys shop. The set was good. That was like a side character who had like a lot of fun business. The fart joke was motivated. <laughs> I mean, he had a great pet snake prop. Yeah. Oh, the laziest snake in the history of cinema. <laughs> if I get to the point where I'm shoving my mouse into my pet snake's mouth, I mean, that's... That's time to time to put that snake out to pasture, I think. Snake is dead, Jim. Yeah. It's dead, Jim. <laughs> it's dead, Jim. The old wise guy gives them a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo. I thought it was just really beautiful poetry. <laughs> I just found it lovely. When all of the hardship have befallen the three, three join together to unlock the key. For no chain is stronger than the chain's weakest link. Three join together. The key is closer than you think. Well, he, he tells them that they have to go to the town of Tupid, right? Town of Tupid, yeah. They pass a, a bunch of intersecting signs. And this was sort of, as you mentioned, the idea of talking about better movies that you don't see. Not only are they finding the sign for Tupid, but also Blood Town and Monster Island both of which are movies I'd rather be watching. <laughs> the old wise guy's um, riddles had very strong dungeon master morning of a D&D session energy. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie does have the feeling like it is a dungeon master is getting really frustrated. Like, you sure you don't want to go to Blood Town? I wrote all this... <laughs> Stupid is the dumbest name in the world. How could you not want to go to Blood Town? I just took the S off stupid. <laughs> What's the challenge rating of uh, 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 Neo Titan? What's uh, the challenge rating of Neo Titan? Well, I need to get them on their own Neo Titan so they can fight that Neo Titan. Otherwise, yeah. like, it's going to be a TPK. Oh, so it's an my elemental. God. Okay, he's conjuring a Neo Titan. They were supposed to go to Monster Island. <laughs> So they, uh, the old wise guy gives them directions to the X on the gingerbread man map. He says it's two uh, stones throw, yes. one pebble throw, and one hip-hop. Look, Lousy is a racist caricature of a racist character. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's so many layers that I found offensive until... When uh, you're watching a movie where a white actor is dressed as Bruce Lee and doing a Bruce Lee voice and then screams, What the hell's a hip-hop? I was like, I found myself like clutching my temples, being like, is this art? <laughs> a white racist character in the early 90s screaming, what the hell's a hip hop? America has never been writ so uh, poetically in a movie before. But, uh, and then when the old wise guy is telling their poetic futures, there is the most insufferable sound effect of a fly buzzing around that lasts for so long it like hurt my brain yeah. it was like at a at a register that was just perfectly annoying and then my boy my sweet baby boy repo kills the fly and i think just out of stockholm syndrome i was like that's my favorite character <laughs> he, he saved me from pain and when he and when he spits into repo's hand at the end yeah great nice Big wet loogie. <laughs> and here's the swimming pool. Oh, oh god, I'm gonna like vomit. The movie is is effectively goopy, which I appreciate. Any good special effects man is worth his weight in goop, I believe. Yeah, I was a bit intrigued. By the relationship between Repo and the old wise guy? I yeah. think it's like the wisdom of the fool. Like, the the fool sees through the old wise guy for what he truly is. And, like, that's why they had that little standoff at the end. Yeah. Where he farts in his face. Where he there's farts a in his Tunes, face. Uh, yeah. There's a Looney Tunes cigar explosion. And a slide whistle! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, I'm glad you're getting on my... Uh, I am not. That we're... That we're <laughs> I am. 
there's a lot of uh, dialectics you could like take apart. Here. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the old wise guy lights up a cigar using he he does the my favorite thing in movies which is using uh, the side of someone's face to strike a match. <laughs> and then he lights up his cigar, and while he's lighting his cigar, Repo, being the puckish devil that he is, <laughs> farts a fireball <laughs> in the old wise guy's face. I cast fart ball. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the flaming fart in the face... It is the movie recreating my experience of watching the movie. Like, a flaming fart in the face is, I think, how I describe this whole movie to me. Ugh. I would, I think that this is where we agree, which is that I would also describe this movie as a <laughs> fart. Gross. Offensive. Unwelcome. Uh, Funny to 14-year-olds. Funny to 14-year-olds. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. Actually, the movie is rated PG-13. But I do not know who over the age of 13 <laughs> this is aimed at. Great question. Great question. I, I mean, we're coming to find out. Me. I think it's yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think it's us. You would say to me, totally honestly, that if someone shot a flaming fireball in your face, your only emotion would be anger? No. You'd be amazed. You'd be... <laughs> and dead. <laughs> probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think comparing it to the humor of a 14-year-old is great because it is like equal parts insipid sort of like childishness that is like annoying and also goofy and endearing to me but yes i think i think part of it is that this type of thing works better if you have a lot of jokes and this movie did not they were just like it was like they put on their 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 joke helmets and they went into that joke mine and they were like we're down here we're gonna find all this gold yeah. and, and then they, they ran screaming out the canary's dead <laughs> <laughs> sell it to video <laughs> in this moment we get uh, a training montage which leads into the first example of. Lao Zi is asking Chen how he stays so calm in battle. And Chen says, I think beyond thought. And and Lao Zi says, uh, oh, I oh I, I gave it you know, I said Lao Zi. I gave them more credit. <laughs> I, was, I, I caught that too. Yeah. <laughs> Lao Zi says Please enlighten me. How do you do that? By not thinking. Boing! <laughs> <laughs> Which gets reprised later when he's like, I'm seeking the secret of life. And he's like, I know the secret of life. Oh, what is it? It's a secret. Boing! Boing! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then what we get is like an extended Kung Fu Rascals versus Ninja fight scene. It, it opens on a shot that is a close-up of P hitting rock. And then like the outline of the shot are those delightful repo pants out of focus in the foreground and we're looking at like urine stream hitting a rock and for the first time in my life like camouflage worked on me where like because it was in the foreground out of focus i was like what is the where are we what is the shot i was so lost and then it pulled out i was like oh it's piss again damn you steve wang he got you I, I don't, I think that those were not camouflage. I think that those were zebra pants I, or, 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 or leopard print. They were leopard print. Yeah, a uh, natural animal camouflage. <laughs> I am never wrong. Please remember, I'm never wrong. Uh, but so, yeah, so then the, we get the gag where Repo's peeing and then they call for him and he turns around and pisses in the face of a ninja who is sneaking up on them. Haha, ha. we all laughed, I'm sure. Had to pause because we were laughing so hard. I don't know how much we want to get into all of it. I did really like the bone nunchucks. I, I also yeah, like bone the bone nunchucks. Nunchuck. Were great. I like because he has them throughout the beginning of the movie, and then they have a purpose. Well, yeah, he he definitely earns his zebra stripes at that point. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, it had all the ninjas were like defeated by our heroes. I mean, mostly because it's like a goofy, fun movie. But like all of the ninjas had like swords and size and shit but we're afraid to swing them one which time is... they hand the, the vip ninja hands off his yeah. swords and then goes to fight 
Lousy. They drop all their bladed weapons before they tackle Lousy, yeah. which is very disappointing for me because I was just hoping they'd like stab, stab him. Stab, 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 stab. I gotta tell you, this whole sequence, I wanted them to kill him so yes. bad. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Correct. I was just, I just wrote, please, please kill him. God, please kill him. And then one ninja said, he's tough. I wrote, he's not. <laughs> he's super tough. I wrote again, he's super not. <laughs> But the more I thought about it, the more I thought that that is actually like a brilliant, really realistic thing because I've never swung a sword at someone. I'd imagine I I don't I I'd be, it'd be very scary. I don't <laughs> I don't even want to see that happen to someone. I don't want me to do it to someone. Oh no, Jamie's for the listeners at home. <laughs> Jamie's Jamie's swinging a huge Highlander sword around. <laughs> um, that's Longclaw from Game of Thrones. For the listeners at home, uh, in our office, Jamie has a wall of fictional weapons. Including... That looks like a very real weapon. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. It is a serious... It's a real sword. It's a sword. Forgive me for calling it a Highlander sword. <laughs> mistake. I, I thought it was nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a super cool Game of Thrones sword. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Lousy gets captured, unfortunately, alive. Well, that gives us the Imperial Torture Master. I appreciated his design. Yes! I also liked, yeah. I'm glad that we're at least all on the same page as far as the things that were actually good about the movie. Yeah. Which was, yeah, the Imperial Torture Master, excellent. Looked great. His teeth. No front teeth. The, like, uh, the, 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 the eye, the, like, loops. Yeah, the glasses. Glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. He was like, uh, I mean, I can't think of a specific example, but it rang very Terry Gilliam. I me. was gonna, yes, I was gonna say the same thing. It feels like Terry Gilliam in, um, in, uh, Holy Grail. He's another old wise <laughs> oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he's like this old figure, and he's like, hey! <laughs> Totally. And then he like disappears and they're just sitting in the forest. Yes. But it looks exactly like Terry Gilliam in that movie. But then after this great introduction, boy, does the well run dry of him taking out pieces <laughs> of metal from his bag and saying like under his breath, oh, yeah, this is a good thing to torture with. No, no, no. This is a good thing to torture. And it just <laughs> keeps going <laughs> i don't know it kind of went back around Did it? like it goes too long and then it comes back around it's funny i think i definitely took out my phone at this point J- jamie i'm with you these these boys these boys are crazy you gotta, you <laughs> yeah. gotta get a divorce oh, you- <laughs> no i i think what's brilliant about it is the imperial torture master is torturing us also <laughs> but uh get this kids you think they're going to do something violent to Laozi, but what they end up doing in front of his screaming, mewling face is cutting up his Bruce Lee wig. And bits of it fly into his mouth. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, it's falling into his mouth. Because keep... it's the only way to break him. Yeah. Right. And you break... To take this one aspect of his personality that he has crafted for himself. A <laughs> uh, lifetime of watching movies makes you like instinctively want to cheer against the bad guys. But when they were cutting up that Bruce Lee wig, I was like, these are the heroes. These are the heroes of the movie. <laughs> these are the heroes we need. <laughs> yeah. Now kill him. Anyone who wants to hurt Lousy must be my friend. The enemy of Lousy is my friend. <laughs> I was, yeah, I imprinted on the Imperial Torture Master in that moment. I loved everything about him. I I feel like we haven't really talked about Darling yet. Oh, uh, God. I'd rather not. This is, when, this is when I was just done with Darling. Oh. I, think, I think we have to talk about Darling. If Darling only because... has one great moment for me that made me laugh, and it is the fan-off oh, that yeah, he does that with is... Chen. That is a legitimately great... That's little the next scene, give and yeah. take of humor, and I appreciated that. <laughs> well, tough guy. The tables are turned this time. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily reliant on him being a gay stereotype. It was just, like, a visual gag, so I liked that. It was a very loud stereotype that this person was playing. Uh, by the way, same actor playing Darling was Bamboo Man. What? Same, 
Shut up. I did not know that. He was playing it so loud and so big in a world otherwise totally devoid of any sexuality. Yes. Like, like, there is no sex in this movie whatsoever. Like, even sexiness at all. Like, it is entirely a world where it's just, you know, it's another day for kung fu. But he's also not playing it from, like, a sex-driven perspective, you know? He's playing it just from, like, the flair. Like, to the point where, like, the characters aren't weirded out by him because they feel like he's coming on to them. They're weirded out by him because they think of him as, like, almost like an alien creature. Because he's like, get off me, whatever you are. Right. You're just a... He's just a guy. (laughs) It's like a 12-year-old's idea. Yes. This whole movie is very pre pubescent in its understanding of the world when confronted with the sexuality it does not know what to do (laughs) gross yeah like (laughs) i i try to understand the brain doing it and it's like to like step out of the logic of the movie and just from our own morals and ethics the people more in touch with their sexuality, whoever they are, are more, like, liberated, are, like, stronger characters. And the only two characters who have any semblance of sexuality is Darling and the Imperial Torture Master, who, like, hits on him. And it's, like, beautiful. I really cheered for their relationship. <laughs> Ship them. I would go to that wedding. I really shipped Darling and uh, Imperial Torture Master. Uh, the third clone of Les Claypool. Like, he's having fun. <laughs> he's having fun in this movie. Like, he is playing so big all the time. Yeah. Oh, God, I know we're getting, we're, there's so much, we've gotten so into minutia, but, like, I want to talk about the slow-mo walking. I was, oh, I was yes. just about to say that. <laughs> yes, yes, I yes, was about yes, to yes. say the exact same thing. Yes. The slow-motion walking in real time, <laughs> where, where he's the only one walking in slow-motion and the rest of his crew follows him by also just walking slowly, is funny. Yeah. Is right. Is legitimately funny. And the, the, the moment of confusion where they look at him and they're trying to assess what's happening. Oh. Oh. Ominous. In some ways, I'm upset with a movie that hits every so often than a movie that fails across the board. Because if you fail across the board, it's like, well, you didn't have a chance. Whereas like, if you have like these small moments of like, oh, why didn't you just write it more? Why didn't you just write a script, you idiots? More than a week? Why didn't you spend more than a week working on this? (laughs) So yeah, I mean, the next scene where uh, Chen Chao Main ends up running up the side of a sheer rock face using quote unquote sticky flypaper technique, which was as you guys mentioned, legitimately cool looking and death defying in a way that the movie did not seem to have a budget for. Right, that's yeah. why I'm like, at first we thought, like, is it the Batman technique? Is it really just like a flat? But no, we saw it from different angles and like it looked like wire work, but can they afford wire work? Could you even paint out wires back then? Like- yes, but 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 it would take longer and be very annoying. It was, it was genuinely okay, cool. I have an answer. Oh my god, what? Oh. One thing I remember is when I shot the sticky flypaper scene, I had to scale the wall. Everybody thought it was a camera cheat. Well, the wall was real and it was around three and a half stories tall. It was slightly slanted, so I could actually scale it. Whoa. Whoa. Damn. He was actually climbing So that? that's impressive. I'm going to give credit where credit is due and that's impressive. So he scales the wall. And confronts the sheriff, darling, buffoon, and the ninjas while Repo sneaks in from behind. Watch the back door. Uh, The back door! The back door! (laughs) You wasted all your energy guarding the front door. But who's guarding your back door? (laughs) The back door! Chen Chao Meng goes in the front door while Repo sneaks in the basement uh, window of the woods. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it begins our last human fight scene of the movie. Yes. Between the sheriff and Chen Chao Man, and I thought it was awesome. I thought it was like a genuinely really good fight scene, and it kept cutting to the hijinks of Repo and Lao Z, which was less fun. But like the but my brain the, has only retained that part. Like I could not tell you what happens in the fight scene between this, the sheriff they have and this great Chen. Moment where they are symmetrically fighting. And yeah, yeah it's actually cool. Like, 
uh, Chen and the sheriff like have they punch at the same time in the same way, and it it's pretty cool. I don't remember this. It owes so much to Mr. Jackie Chan. Like it owes so much to like Hong Kong movies that it immediately succeeds. But it does what I love about those movies is real. It's like what I look for in a fight scene is yes. Technical prowess is fun. It's fun to see someone who's like a martial artist do all these impressive things, but that means less to me than the hits feel real and it gets to the point where it's a brawl. I want to get to the point where it seems like it's getting brutal, like where it feels like these are two guys who want to hurt each other. And it did feel that way. The fighting was like pretty impressive and more impressive to know that this was a fight between a special effects technician <laughs> and an audio supervisor. <laughs> like, this, these, are our, these are our heroes. This is the LA unions in 1992 <laughs> taking out their grievances. This is how you but... settled union battles back then. Right. These are our people. These are just like two nerds. It felt cool like it felt awesome i was most in the movie at that point personally i think the scene that did it for me the best is and it should be no particular surprise but is the scenes after where rasp mutant takes the moonstone and oh. calls forth the neo titan <laughs> And our heroes put together the gingerbread man and bring forth, what is it, Meta Spartan. Yes. And they have a giant kaiju fight. The giant rock monsters really looked like giant rock monsters. The texture was incredible. Like, yeah. I, I knew that it was like, you know, fabric and everything, but they did a really good job making it look like a giant rock monster walking around. I was legitimately impressed with that scene. Were they. On the beach from Planet of the Apes, because... Ooh. I wondered that. 100%. I feel like they were in Malibu, because uh, I was recognizing some of the rock formations. Their use of force perspective was particularly good, and, and edited into it well, where, like, if you lingered on the shot too long, it would become obvious. Uh, I have some location uh, answers. Do, 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 do. Location follow-up. Oh. Um, so, these are both shot in Malibu. Planet of the Apes was shot at Point Doom, which is where we went oh, on our, our mini-moon. We this, did that. We yes. did a mini-moon at um, Point Doom. Oh. Ten minutes up the beach Gross. is El Matador Beach, where this was shot. Okay. Nice. The good kaiju, the good stone kaiju, Meta Spartan. Benny Hata Santa Claus. Yeah, uh, defeats Neo Titans <laughs> by calling for the staff. <laughs> Silently. That Chen over Chow May. and over again. <laughs> <laughs> but the compositing shot when he at when we see the giant Meta Spartan asking for the staff with yeah. our hero in the foreground was like great. Again, it's like when you have the team, the lab technician visual effect team from like Big Trouble in Little China. Like this yeah. dumb movie like looks awesome. While also Chen Chaomain and Rasputin have a well-choreographed fight scene. Yeah. yeah. Chen, Chen Chow Min says he has to go do some pork chopping, which I think <laughs> you can write a hundred bad lines if you have that line in there. <laughs> <laughs> Chen has uh, that awesome fight with Rasputin, uh, throws a rock at him, and the moonstone shatters like Peanut Brittle. But also then the moonstone shattering has no effect. No. Like, yeah. I thought it would maybe do something to the Neo-Titan, but it does nothing. And then the Neo-Titan, when he like shows up the first time, this towering stone figure guy. And Repo's on the ground and he's like looking up and oh, gingerbread man. And it's the shape of the gingerbread man is, is the Neo-Titan. But then they use the Sunstone gingerbread man to summon the Metaspartan, which looks nothing like the stone. The stone looks like... The Neo-Titan. Yeah. It's almost like the movie doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Almost Well, when like you that. say it like that. Yeah, I got so sad for the Neo-Titan when the, when, so the Neo-Titan has been sent to kill uh, Chen and Lousy and Repo, and then they call the Metaspartan from the sea, and the Neo-Titan is looking at the Metaspartan like, I've never seen another one of my kind before. <laughs> Brother? <laughs> and then Rasputin's like, D go, destroy him. I have the Moonstone. I control you. What are you waiting for? Attack! 
I got my heart sank. I got so sad. This this movie is making a case of like beautiful, intelligent titans. We human beings, we have no <laughs> business controlling them. This movie is like Blackfish before Blackfish. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that they that they tied up his legs like an ATAT. Yes, they just pull a half. With seaweed. <laughs> yeah, with seaweed. Also, totally inconsequential. Like, our meta Spartan dude is doing the work. Oh, it does yeah. nothing. Well, he does fall over. <laughs> yeah, but he, they, they, I don't think that had anything to do with the, the, his feet being tied up. A little bit. A little, Maybe a little bit. Uh, and then Repo is crushed, even though he had so much time to run in either direction. Did anyone else get strong Prometheus vibes from that? How else are you going to have the fake out ending where he's dead? Oh no, he's alive. Are you surprised? I'm not. <laughs> I was feeling so much re- remorse for the Neo Titan because oh. again, like it thinks it feels like, why is it dying because of our greed? And I was feeling so awful <laughs> for the death of the Neo Titan that as it was falling down on top of Repo, I was like, not my favorite character, Repo. <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fu Rascals, is there nothing you won't take from me? <laughs> well, I knew he was coming back. I'd seen... Uh, Every movie ever. I did not foresee how he was going to come back. Oh. The method by which Re- Repo re-enters the scene, we think he's been crushed, and then we see his Moak come up like a shark through the sand, move Doo-doo. through the beach, and then pop up. Repo. Repo, 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 repo. I did like the fact that when, when Repo pops out of the sand, and then we like freeze frame... The freeze frame jump. Love me a freeze frame jump. Freeze, yeah, the freeze frame. And then we go into the last scene with uh, Rasputant being denigrated by Bamboo Man with the floating lady who is take, who's taking over uh, his position. Which I was like, okay, we've got 20 more minutes of this movie because they still haven't like killed bamboo man like they really haven't like done very much and then it was the end of the fucking movie they were setting up a sequel that never came never came and then they reveal misha 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 yeah the coolest character yeah she she was so cool where she like starts out as the spider monster thing and then whips around into into beautiful beautiful woman misha starts as a spider lady then becomes a deadite from Evil Dead. <laughs> then turns, Dead by dog! Then turns into just like a, a beautiful woman who floats everywhere at a significantly slower pace than walking. Yeah. <laughs> and then stuffs an apple in Rasputin's mouth. And then just the the chef, the literal chef's kiss, the torture master returns in a chef's hat to cook him up and I was in heaven. I want the man and the three bulls who possess it. He wishes my We're left with a a cliffhanger. I do thirst for a sequel. I do too. Thank you, Josh. I immediately went online and tried to find out if there was a sequel and was grossly disappointed. Well, I I wanted a sequel when I thought Misha was going to be the big bad. Yeah, I would watch whatever that entails. That looked dope. She's a cool character. She's genuinely creepy. She has, like, interesting powers and proves that there are, in fact, in the universe of this film... Women. women. <laughs> yes. The first woman in the entire movie comes in in the last five minutes. The, the end of the movie is essentially the movie going through puberty and starting to notice women. Yeah. It's having its first little feelings. It's having its first feelings. This is a movie about growing up. You're right, Greg. It's a coming of age tale. I would be down with the sequel. My dream sequel would begin with them unfreezing from that freeze frame and jumping yes! down to the beach. <laughs> but as, like, them today, like, older, past middle-aged men. 
look, we've been talking a really long time about this movie, and I'm glad, but I feel like I would love to finish off by like getting the ripoff report card. No. <laughs> the ripoff report card, ripoff report card. Love it. Ooh, I like I like that. We should keep that. Yeah. yeah. This is your video high ripoff report card for the Kung Fu Rascals, brought to you by me. Uh, director and star Steve Wang has a varied filmography, mostly known for his work in special effects, including credits on the family Sasquatch pick Harry and the Hendersons, perennial beefcake shoot 'em up Predator, and the Robin Williams robot feel bad movie of the summer, Bicentennial. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> But his ripoffs are far more interesting, contributing to the Roddy Piper versus Giant Reptiles post-nuke epic, Hell Comes to Frogtown, the movie I always watched while waiting for the dentist when I was six, Spaced Invaders, and the Miguel Ferrer head explosion classic, Deep Star Six. He also directed the innocuously titled cyborg buddy movie, Drive, which is basically Terminator 2 meets 48 Hours. Wait, so like the... So like the... T-800's a racist? What? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I want to watch that so bad. So although I didn't really like Kung Fu Rascals very much, Steve Wang has added many monsters to the zeitgeist. And I say we give him a, a B. Okay, alright, alright. Moving on, Lousy, a.k.a. Troy Froman, surely isn't a household name. But with nearly 60 credits, most of which are from direct-to-video gems, You've likely seen him before. He's often seen in the background, but we must salute even the smallest roles. His credits include Phantasm 2, Return of the Living Dead 2, Night Wars, and Dead End City, to name a few. Working consistently amongst perennial schlockmeisters, David A. Pryor for his Action International Pictures, for Donald G. Jackson's Backyard Epics, Vista Street Entertainment, and Full Moon Pictures, he's racked up credits on Platoon Knockoff, Hell on the Battleground, Hicksploitation Ghost Flick Ain't No Way Back, and the crossover Back to the Future meets Conan, Time Barbarians. While not always in the limelight, not all of us are destined to be. We salute you, Troy. B+. Really, he was only able to make it based on a large inheritance from his grandfather, Sausage King of Chicago, Abe Froman. <laughs> Lastly, we'd like to grade Cleve Hall, the man who rousingly played the old wise guy, another special effects man and sometimes actor who worked on most of the Charles Band Empire Pictures pictures, like the D&D-inspired anthology flick The Dungeon Master, Terminator knockoff Eliminators, and the best of the Gremlin knockoffs, Ghoulies. Cleve was also the man in the Godzilla suit in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, so let's give credit where it's due. The man deserves a B plus. Well done. And that has been your Kung Fu Rascals ripoff report card. A ripoff report card. Well, fellow students of Video High, that's just another day of Kung Fu fighting for us. What of this could be on the final exam? My final thought is just pee jokes. It turns out they can be not funny. <laughs> let me let let me point out that if you look at its IMDb, this movie has a 6.9 out of 10. People love this movie. Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> I have been spamming IMDb with 10 star reviews. <laughs> Jamie, you and I are in the minority. That's a takeaway. Oh. Jamie and I are in the, a strong minority here. Yeah, I think it was a passion project uh, from a bunch of people who have talents best suited otherwise and under other supervisors, I think. I think this is a uh, deeply problematic movie, of which there are many from this time, and many of which were mainstream. There's a lot of movies we can look back on today and be like, oh, that does not age well. But when 95% of it does not age well, there's not a lot of fun value we can glean from this movie. It's more of a movie that should just be thrown on the annals of history to never think of again. <laughs> I like to underline annals. Annals. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason I appreciate this movie is from 
the point of view of like someone who did make movies in his backyard and i think we can all understand that urge and that like desire and it the makeup effects are great there's some genuinely good fight choreography scenes i admire the like go getting filmmaking like we did it we this is a passion project of ill-fated passion (laughs) that they finished that I think has merits. I feel like, uh, look, this is a this is a problematic movie in both the sense that it's not like a movie that's the most pregnant with ideas, and it's also problematic insofar as like, yes, there are aspects of it that are racist, there are aspects of it that are like homophobic, but it is all those things in, as we've said a hundred times, a very like immature teenage way. And while that doesn't mean it is good, I don't think it is as much racist as it is just generally (laughs) anti-human, at least pathologically, if not purposefully. All the characters besides Chen Chaomain display, like, all the worst aspects of humanity and are just constantly, like, pissing. And, like, what transcends that is the way of kung fu. (laughs) Like, it is is a kung fu movie that is anti-human because it's not a movie that is depicting life. It's a movie depicting a love of kung fu movies again is is me being a very generous <laughs> but not to give it a total pass because there is using fighting terms punching up and punching down and this movie only punches down <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh, no matter what way you want to look at it very pro punching <laughs> we love, we love punching. everybody was kung fu punching <laughs> from the Orient, and we're back in trouble. A predicament. The bad guys need a lesson in kung fu etiquette. Repo Chen Chao Main Lao Zi. Repo Chen Chao Main Lao Zi. Repo Chen Chao Main Lao Zi. Kung Fu Rascals 3. Thank you so much for listening to Video High. I'm Greg Hansen. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Casey Regan, Josh Roth, and Jamie Kennedy for an amazing show. Uh, I'd also like to thank Seth Applebaum of the Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for the amazing theme song. Justin Ferraro of the Rizzos for our sound design and bed music. Ann Shear for our amazing logo. Our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe. And uh, you for listening. Next week's episode is Salsa, the motion picture from 1988, so don't miss it. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for coming to class. And remember, if people laugh at you for your love of B-movies, tell them to fuck off. I met a Spartan, protector of the righteous.